welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home every day. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. No, please, please, please. Okay, that's the... So we've already, we've been on for less than five seconds, and we already have a lie. We've lied. Because we're not here now at the uh, Ludlow Folk School you know Music what? I thought you said I thought you were going to say we're lying about the fact that you're the one and the only Jerry Springer, but Damn. you're keying on the fact that we're not at the Folk School Coffee Parlor where we normally are. Yes, where are we? We're in Covington, Kentucky. Next door to Ludlow. And we're here for a special event, and we have a special guest co-host whom we're we will introduce in a second. Yes. But this event is benefiting an organization called Renaissance Covington, a wonderful 501c3 that is, who, whose goal is to refurbish, revitalize a 10-block area in this grand old city called Covington, Kentucky. And it's directly across the river from Cincinnati, and those people in Cincinnati look across, they see the skyline of Covington and vice versa. And this organization... 199C, which on the color chart, I'm told, is the color for red. That's important because Monday is opening day for, I guess, Major League Baseball across the country, yes. right? Used to be that the Cincinnati Reds. Used to be able, the Reds used to always have the only, would have the first opening day because it was the first uh, professional baseball team. And so that was an honor. But then after a while, I think it was about the time that Marge Schott owned the team and she got in trouble or whatever, and all of a sudden things weren't going so well, and TV contracts and whatever, so they started doing other games as the first game. But it used to always be the Reds. So this episode will be a little different. We are going to have a musical guest uh, from Oakdale, California, Willie T. Taylor, whose new album is Knuckleball Prime with a couple baseball songs on it. So he will join us in the latter part of this episode. But we're uh, in the field, as they say, and we have a special guest that you go way back with, Jerry, and uh, ask you he to introduce is really Ken a, Brew. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good friend and a uh, really good guy. Uh, in my prior life, uh, I was a news anchor for the NBC affiliate in Cincinnati, and we did the news for 10 years every evening at 5, 36, and 11. And the fellow that did the sports for most of those years uh, is my guest, is our guest today, uh, Ken Brew. So give it up for Ken. There you go. Sure, thank the you. people here in town get to see you all the time, so they obviously know you, but people around the country may not know. Although you started out doing sports in Tampa. Well, at least, I don't know if you started there, but you came from Tampa yes. to Cincinnati. Yes, yeah. Uh, and, that, and actually, we met each other when we did an audition together in Knoxville, Tennessee, at a station there. Remember? How could I not remember that? Well, no. you flew down with uh, the news director at the time. Remember him? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who could forget him? Yeah. And I flew up from Tampa. I was working in Tampa. And so we bonded at this television station in Knoxville as they, they rolled tape to see if we would work well together. Yeah, well, you bonded better than I did because I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, so. but you loved it. Actually, what clicked it, I think, is you, you loved a boxer by the name of Ingemar Johansson. And yes. I had just done a series of stories on Ingo, and that, 
So it didn't take much to lure you in, but that's how I, I got the game. And on one of my birthdays, now that it's all coming back, on one of my birthdays. <laughs> it eventually would, does. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, just pass me the warm tea. Uh, uh, you gave me a signed picture. Yes. From uh, Ingemar Johansson knocking uh, out Floyd Patterson yes. in 1959. I know, I remember. Uh, June uh, 26, I, won the championship. You got them to sign it. I, I got the picture. I got them. It cost me some money. I, I wasn't able to take my medication for a month, yeah. but I, I thought it was <laughs> yeah. a good investment. Okay, so can, yeah. okay, so we had some uh, great times doing the news every night. You know, we made it up because, first of all, it's easier to make up the news than to actually, because sometimes the weather's bad and it's hard. You got to go out, you get yeah. tired. This way, we, no one knows. No. I no would say knows. something happened in Iraq. What, someone going to call in and say, <laughs> no, that's not true? No, but there, well, there yeah. was no, no cell phones. There was no internet. This was in the 80s. Right. It was say. in the 80s. No phones, no cars, no luxuries. It was just, it was just, it was like Gilligan's Island. And you just, yeah. you just kind of, you, we vamped oh. the news back oh, in the 80s. We didn't deliver the news. Now everything's got to be, you know, straightforward and you can't deviate from the script. But back then, it was just like, you know, okay, something happened there. We'll just go on down that road. Oh, well, the script, you know, back then, they, we had teleprompters. That was kind of like the new thing. But the teleprompter wasn't computer types that you have today, which I guess everyone knows. Sure. You know, the people are always reading from teleprompters. But back then, the teleprompter was really like in the grocery store conveyor belt. <laughs> and you would have the 8 by 10 wow. sheets where you would write out the script. Some intern would place it on the conveyor belt. There was a camera looking down at the conveyor belt. Yes. And your script went by. Right. The problem is... <laughs> I can imagine a bunch of problems that would happen if that's how they did it. It was horrible. Because if... if, if, if uh, and I remember one time, the day that Elvis, or the anniversary of Elvis's death. Alleged, yeah. Yeah, alleged death. <laughs> He's living still in Canada. Um, she put the sheets in the wrong order. <laughs> wow. So it didn't make any sense. And then you could see the panic because as I'm looking in the prompter, I see her hand going in. <laughs> so you can't see any of the words. Then no. she put one in upside down, and I am panicking. You were. And it was... Yeah, the, the that sweat tape. on the top of your lip was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, regardless of what the news was in a, in a given day, there was always a Sedamsville man that had trouble and a gross spec woman. Yes. You know, you could count on that every <laughs> night. There was somebody, a guy yeah. in Sedamsville and a woman in gross spec. They always yes. had trouble. Different and, person every night. Yeah, <laughs> and you could make up stories about, you know, if there was an accident, just yes. make up a street that doesn't sure. exist. Right. No one will... Well, you're yeah. doing highlights of a game. You don't have a name. You just say Ed Tarbouche or Joe yeah. Fabitz. You just make it up. They don't know. Okay. We're joking, we but are the now. truth is, yeah. yes, you are an excellent, excellent, not just a sports anchor, but you do play-by-play, -play. and you did play-by-play -play for the Bengals. You yeah. did play-by-play. -play. Did you do the Reds play-by-play? -play? No, that was why I left Channel 5 in the oh, first place. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. We are. Okay. But, How did no, I did. I did, but I, I did all that, and, and, and you know, and... You're right. I, and, and radio talk, I love that too. Like formats like this. Tell me, because so many of us would grow up, boys would grow up. Uh, we loved sports. People like me weren't very good at it. So the back door to those of us who love sports was dreaming when you were a kid that one day you'd be a sportscaster. And we all had our idols. I mean, back when I was a kid, I grew up in New York, so it was Mel Allen for the Yankees. Yep. It was Marty Glickman doing the New York football giants. It was Les Kiter doing yes. the boxing and stuff like that. 
and you would listen to all this on the radio. And then when all of a sudden we had enough money to buy a television set, we turn on the television, turn down the sound, and here we are, eight, 10 year old kids broadcasting a game into our brand new tape recorders while we are watching. Did you go through yes. that? Is Absolutely. that how it starts? It did. Well, and you and I share similar backgrounds because I grew up just across the river in New Jersey. Yeah. And so Mel Allen and Red Barber and Marty oh. Glickman and Marv Albert, they were my, they were my heroes growing yeah. up. And sure, that's what you did. You would turn down the sound. I had my own radio station, WKRB. You couldn't yeah. get any words oh, except yeah. when I opened <laughs> my mouth. Right. You just yeah. open your mouth. Like you run yeah. outside, you know, and you start. And, you know, people looked at you like you were weird. But, you know, those people, you know. They wound up selling insurance, and I had a chance to do what you mentioned, which is just having, you know, a dream come true. And for now, celebrating, celebrating, if you could say that, 42 years. 42 years. Wow. 42 Good years. For you. Yeah. You don't look at, well, you do. Yeah, I do look yeah. at, I yeah. do. No. So tell me, uh, all the people you have interviewed, mm. if you had to put one interview on tape, on a video, this is, in your career, this was the one, it was perfect. What, you know, most exciting? What was the most exciting person you interviewed? Donald Trump. Because... <laughs> no, and he just... Ah. <laughs> Oxygen. <laughs> Oxygen. <laughs> it must have been huge. Yeah. Okay, I had to do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's tough because the big... Every, if you exist long enough in this business, you interview all the big names, but Muhammad Ali was a, a great, oh. great... He came here for the uh, All-Star Game in 1988, the card show that they had, or the National Memorabilia Show that they had at Music Hall. And I remember I interviewed him, and then he, he ended the interview by looking at me. He says, you're not as dumb as you look. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. I got that. I'm, I'm hanging yeah. on to that, you know, because <laughs> few people say that. Is that on your resume? Today? It might be. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but Ken. He's not as dumb as he looks. That's right. But, I mean, yeah. it, but that, you know, and all of, of our generation, the people that were big names of our generation invariably came through Cincinnati for one reason or another. Joe yep. DiMaggio, I remember interviewing him. Pee Wee Reese, I remember interviewing him about just the whole Jackie Robinson thing and how he helped get Jackie Robinson in, not just into baseball, but to become accepted into baseball. I mean, it was, putting a his arm around yeah, his the, it was a wonderful, yeah. wide-ranging interview. But, I mean, the, the list is endless. It, it's like, you know, interviewing, you know, dignitaries and heads of state like you've done. I, if, to me, it was just every, every interview like that was a dream come true. What's your favorite sport to broadcast? Hockey. Really? I love hockey. I, I, I love always did for always. as a kid. It's my okay. it, it remains to this day my favorite sport. I, when I was growing up, I, grew, I mentioned I grew up in New Jersey. When I was in high school, I had a season ticket. For the uh, Rangers. For the Rangers. Yeah. And I remember this, uh, a friend of mine would go over. I'd ride over with his uncle and him, and the three of us would go over and see the games and then ride back home, and it was $4 a game. Yeah. And it, you, it was you, the old garden. 40 games, $4 a game. I had a season ticket for 160 bucks. I would caddy during the summertime to earn money so I could have a, uh, get a season ticket. Wow. Oh, that's, Is that the best? Was Gump Worsley the, uh, the goalie back then? Ed Jockerman. Oh, so that was after. Steady Eddie, who yeah. lives, I think, in Florida – not far from someone else I know that lives in Florida. And oh, next to the mansion. If I ever get invited down, maybe we could all go down and see it. Yeah, Ed. if you got invited down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, we're not going to be there next week. Be sure you come down. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. Okay, and of course, we both got to know Pete Rose really well oh, yeah. being here in Cincinnati. Well, the, well, the, the big red machine, all right. those guys. They, well, yeah. imagine when that, you had Pete Rose managed the, the Reds. Sam Weish managed, uh, was the coach of the Bengals. Oh, 
You had Pete Gillen at Xavier. You had Bob Huggins at the University of Cincinnati. You were never lost for a quote. There was yeah. always somebody the saying something outrageous. And Gene, now, and yeah, Gene is a f- uh, fanatical Xavier fan. Yeah. One day he'll get interested in college basketball, but. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, boom, boom, hey. <laughs> How does Gene feel about the uh, Xavier player dropping his pants at the local bar here today? One of our guys, you know what, what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, dropped his pants. Could he be so on a, JP? Could we book him for our show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for your TV show? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. so JP McCura, who yeah. was the sixth man of the year uh, at a bar, Cincinnati bar. Bar, did what college kids do. Yeah. Now he's a fifth Look, man of the year. Allegedly got stone drunk with a fake ID and dropped trowel and spent a night in jail. Yeah. And uh, yeah. did they give him trousers there? That's yeah. it. If you go to jail, though, you do get trousers. You do get free trousers. <laughs> yeah. Clean. Yeah, they're orange. But <laughs> Jerry, let me ask you yes. a, a sports-related question yes. because I know, and Ken Brew knows this, you were a city council member, a candidate for a number of things, won most of those elections, by the way and was mayor of Cincinnati. And while you were mayor, if my memory is right, well, I know you came to Cincinnati as a huge, and you remain a huge New York Yankees fan. I love the You walked into this event today, and by the way, this event has artwork displayed up and down the walls, a spectacular place, uh, 30 West Pike Street in Covington, if you're ever in the area, and this is a, a working art gallery. So, a bunch of artists from as far away as Turin, Italy, Portland, Oregon, and a lot of more regional people have done artwork stimulated by one thing, a baseball card. Of a Cincinnati of Red. Of a Cincinnati Red yeah. because we're in the vicinity of Cincinnati. And there are fascinating pieces of art here. Uh, and I know, and you walked in the door, and the first thing you did was walk over to one of the vendors, and you bought a New York Yankees hat. Yeah. And that made me think of something. You walk into my town, into an art gallery like this, and you turn your back again on the Cincinnati Reds. And it made me think back in 1978-something. You were the mayor of Cincinnati. Everybody knew you really loved the Yankees. Yeah. And to tell the story, and you had a bad day one day I at the did ball have field. A bad, yeah, I did have a bad day. Uh, I'm a, you know, you tend to be a fan of wherever you grew up. So if mm-hmm. you grew up in New York, you... When I was a kid, you either were a Yankee fan or Dodger, Brooklyn Dodgers or the New York Giants. And so I was a Yankee fan. And I just loved everything about the Yankees. You know, um, my favorite player were, you know, Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra. Uh, I couldn't find a woman named Yogi, so I married Mickey. There you go. Which is true. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, so there I was. And now I come to Cincinnati. And age-wise... You know, we're the age of the big red machine. Right. You know, we're, in, we're all in a, either late 60s or early 70s. So we, you know, hung out a little bit. I won't say we were best friends, but certainly we were friends. But I had to tell the guys, you know, Pete Rose, God love you, or Johnny Bench, the second greatest catcher who ever lived. which he didn't particularly like like anyway the reds are in it probably was an exhibition game because i know in 76 they played the yankees in the world series and the cincinnati inquirer ran a headline springer yankee fan i'm the mayor (laughs) of cincinnati i'm rooting for the yankees (laughs) i throw out a first pitch 50 some thousand people boo me not Whoa. smart if you're a politician. <laughs> but luckily, that wasn't the first thing they remembered about me. D- did you ever tell the story about, no, did you ever tell the story about you in the Yankee uniform 
at school? Did you ever tell oh, that story? Did, on- we, did I tell you that? Did we do that on that? Yeah, you you have talked about it, but it's this is the fitting this is, setting this is, for to that. To me, this yeah. is the greatest story in the world and to why you're a Yankees fan. I think it explains it more than just the fact that you spent a lot of time in New York. Yeah, uh, this is God's truth, this story. Uh, I was born in England, and I came to America when I was five. So we, set, we came to New York, and my first day to school in America, my mom dressed me in what, at that time, English boys wore. Until you were 16 years of age in England, boys wore short pants. And uh, so my first day to school in America, I wore my short pants, a jacket, a bow tie, a beret, mm. and knee socks. And the kids beat the hell out uh, the kids beat the hell out of me and ripped my suit. Well, the next day of school, the same thing happens. The kids pick on me and rip my suit. Now, I'm running out of suits. My mother's running out of sons. So <laughs> she goes up to David's house, who lived in an apartment house above us, and said, what does Gerald have to do to be accepted here in America? You know, that's the kind of thing. How do we get him to fit in? He's afraid to go to school. He gets beaten up all the time. What my mother got out of that conversation was that was really big in America was baseball. Remember, this is 1949. It's the only sport, those that had television sets, the only sport on television other than boxing was baseball. You didn't have football on television. You didn't have basketball, none of that. It was all baseball. And New York had Yankees, Dodgers, and Giants. We never even heard of baseball in England. Never heard the word baseball. My mother knew nothing about it. She goes to a department store in... Uh, in Jamaica, Queens, called Gertz. She goes to a department store, and she doesn't speak very good English, even though I was born in England, they were German refugees. So she, in a thick accent, she asks, she says, a, a, a baseball outfit for my son. And I am your size. There's a, a little boy standing in front of me, and he's a big Reds fan. He looks like a great player. I'm going to bet he's six years old, seven years old. Yes. Actually, he's 23 years old. And, <laughs> and anyway, so she buys me a Yankee baseball uniform. We don't know anything about it. It's a little outfit. She could have bought a Dodger or a Giant. She didn't know. She, this was the size. She says, Gerald, put this on. You're wearing it to school tomorrow. I put it on. I had no idea. You're a little kid. You put on what your yep. mother dre- how your mother dresses you. I go to school. Not one kid touched me. Nobody beat me up. It was unbelievable, and I couldn't understand this strange American custom that if you put something on, they don't beat you up. And I was afraid. <laughs> you got to put the right thing on, but yeah. <laughs> and I was afraid to go to school without wearing my Yankee uniform. And every single picture that exists of me in the first or second grade, Miss Leiter's class, every day to school, I wore my Yankee uniform. Every day. I would that's not go to school. Story. That's a, that's good that story. And that's, a great story. And that's why I'm a Yankee fan. Well, there you go. See, it, it, more than just living in New York. My acceptance to America. You've got a great country here. That's right. It's one of my <laughs> five favorite countries, I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, Ken, did you ever do dream camp? And Jerry, same question to you. Did you ever do a dream camp? And if you did, explain to our audience what that is. Well, it's a chance for middle-aged men. Yep to go cavort with the players that they grew up rooting for. Every major league team has one. They have one that they have Reds Dream Camp. Now it's out in Arizona. It used to be in Florida. Uh, and, and for a price, normally around two or $3,000, you can spend a week playing baseball, talking your, your boyhood heroes off the field, and get drunk and try not to pull various muscles. I mean, that's what it is. Drop your trowel in a Drop bar. Your, right. 
But you so, play a, like a doubleheader oh, every yes. day. Yeah. And your locker is right, right. next to these players. Right. You're in the hotel with them. It right. Honestly, you live with your idols for a week. And who did you do drink? Well, I, 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 like most people in my profession, I did it. I got it for free because yep. I did a story on it right? uh, when I was in Tampa <laughs> on the Yankees dream camp because the Yankees were my team growing up. Too. Really? Yeah. So you... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, at our age, you root for the uniforms, like Seinfeld says. Yeah, but, right. But but there were still guys alive in 1983 that were um, my heroes, and this yeah. camp was going on in St. Petersburg, Florida, and the station was in St. Petersburg. So I said, okay, let me see if I can't do something on this. It was great. Yeah, was they, it fun? And uh, oh, it was. It was. It was. It was. There were literally, I, I would say, maybe like at the time, there were like 80 or 90 campers people, and there were literally. 50 guys with the number seven on the back of their jersey. Oh, yeah. In fact, the, the New York Daily yes. News did a, to lined all the number sevens up so they could <laughs> see all the Mickey Mantles yeah. on there. And Mickey showed up, and, and it was great. Yeah, the year I went, I went in 88. Uh-huh. To the Yankees Dream to Camp To the Yankees well. Dream Camp. And everyone in the camp, there were 45 guys in camp, and they split us up into four teams, and each team had two Yankees playing with them. Everybody in camp, without exception, had a number seven, except me. I had a number eight because yep. Yogi was my favorite. And Mantle gave me crap like you wouldn't And Mickey it. Mantle was there. Yes. Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Bill wow. Scourin, Hank Bauer, oh. Johnny Blanchard. What position Ryan did you Jordan. play, Jerry? Catcher. What position did you play? Mate, first yeah. base. All right. so Because that's what Mickey played late yeah. in his career. But you, you tell about catching the dog. Oh. On the final night of the camp, on the final night of the camp, the campers get to play. They open up Fort Lauderdale Stadium, and which seats about seven, eight thousand people, mm-hmm. and the campers get to play these legendary Yankees. Well, you can imagine if you find out that Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Yogi Bear, all wow. these guys are going to be playing. That people came then. It was totally packed. Wow. I mean, standing room only, and. We got to play. So the campers did get to have a major league pitcher. The one position that the campers couldn't be his pitcher because you'd be there no all control, day. No control, yeah. You, you couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, and your arm, whatever. So the campers had Whitey Ford pitching, and I was the catcher. So they <laughs> wow. announced the batteries. <laughs> wow. You know, for the campers, Ford and Springer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh. So Whitey's warming up. This is the, it's, I'll tell you the night. It was Friday night, April 15th, 1988. You could look it up. Check your calendars. <laughs> it didn't I'll mean never much forget to you, it. I don't think. No. The wow. best moment I ever had in my life alone. So, there were... <laughs> Did you drop there, balls? Did you catch all? Did you catch everything? Well, let me tell you what happened. Now it's the first inning. Whitey Ford is pitching, and he could... This is 88. He, I mean, obviously can't throw Major League fast anymore, but he could still, for us amateurs, wow, you got to pay attention because he threw it. You had to give him a signal, fastball or curveball, mm-hmm. and that's what he threw. And you had to know when the curveball was coming in or you wouldn't be within 10 feet of catching it. Wow. So we had the signals. Now, after two batters, the entire stadium gets to its feet going crazy out of the dugout. Here comes Mickey Mantle oh, walking man. to the plate. Unbelievable. I have tears in wow. my eyes. <laughs> I am physically shaking. This is my whole childhood coming true. I mean, I am there, and my glasses are fogging up <laughs> underneath the mask. Wow, well, it happens. Yeah, and, and, and I'm just shaking because I'm picturing when I was a kid playing ball in the house, my mother saying, Gerald, stop throwing the ball against the wall. The whole bit. This was it. 
Now I've got the, I'm going to get hurt. So I call timeout. And I, and I run to the mound where Whitey is. And Whitey's still got this thick New York accent. And he says, what are you doing? And I said, I can't stop shaking. And he, He's standing there on the mound, and I'm going to clean it up because there's a child here. Um, <laughs> but he puts his arm around me in the middle of the stadium, puts his arm around me like I'm a little child. He says, get the blank behind the plate. Mantle hasn't hit in 20 years. He's stone drunk. <laughs> I great. say, okay, okay. <laughs> Boom. Behind the plate, Mickey flew deep to left. Oh, so you got him out. You knew the his, right pitch. See the right pitch. <laughs> his swing. Just the power, the majesty. Yeah. It was, for baseball fans, it was poetry. We don't need to get into the argument who was the greatest player ever no. and all that. They probably were better players. Oscar Robertson. Yes. Hey, but when both of you guys hit, today a good fastball's 90 or thereabouts miles an hour. 95 what, today, what were they? What speed do you think or do you know those balls were coming to you two guys when you were in dream camp and could you hit them? Well, when the batters are up there, when they're pitching to campers, they're pitching 60 miles an hour. Yeah, $3,000 ahead. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're going to let you hit. So that isn't the issue. Okay. But remember, Whitey is pitching on our team to the regular Yankees. What do you think so, he was throwing to you? Uh, 70? 80. Okay. I mean, it, I had a gl- uh, wore a glove under the catcher's glove. Right. And it, if you didn't catch it right, if you caught it like you're supposed to, it didn't hurt. But, you know. Yeah, it could leave I'm a little just, knot there. Yeah, moves, it, yeah, you felt it. Good you experience for you, too, Ken. And yeah, I, I faced a guy. Uh, my pitcher was Tom Sturdivant. Oh, yeah. Tom Sturdivant. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I think he, it looked like he was clocking out at 103 when I was yeah. up. It was just. Yeah. But what they, they grew, I don't know if it was this way with you, but they groove everything. They want oh, the players, yeah. they want the players oh, sure. to get a hit. It's batting yeah. practice. Right. It's yeah. so, it's, it's so, I mean, I, and, and I, I real, I owned him. Honestly, I hit a, <laughs> I had, I hit a three hopper to short <laughs> and he didn't know what hit him. Yeah. But, uh, but we had, Tom, we had Tom Sturdivant and we had, I'm trying to think who the other guy was that was, uh, oh, Tom Sturdivant and, and, uh, Turley, uh, uh, Bob Turley, Bob Turley. Bob Turley. He was a little nasty. Bullet Bob. Bullet Bob, He yeah. could fire yeah. it, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Ryan Doran was in the camp, too. It was just a few years before Ryan passed away, and Ryan couldn't see well when he was, you know, yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has the— We were at a—in Cincinnati. At, at Remember they made that Crosley Field I know. out in the— That's my famous sub- story. They uh, opened the new Crosley Field in Blue Ash, which is a suburb yeah. north of Cincinnati, for those of you not here. And it was the 1961 Yankees that yes. came in, or remnants yes. thereof, yeah. Yeah. against the 1961 Reds. Right. And wow. I was the first base umpire. They asked me if I was <laughs> umpire. I, I, I oh, played the amazing. game so well, they asked me yeah, to umpire. Right. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> so Pete Rose is playing for the 61 Reds, wow. right? Yeah. He shouldn't have been, but he was there. Yeah, right. Okay? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. wasn't with the Reds yet, yeah. but it's Pete Rose. So Rose hits this ground ball to short. Throws to first, he's out by at least five steps. I call him safe. Oh, <laughs> Ralph Halk. Oh, comes the manager comes out of the flying out. This, this still exists <laughs> because I, I, I've seen this tape. He comes right and he's yelling his, and veins coming out of his neck. Ralph Halk was a major in the Army, World oh, yeah. War II. Yeah, wow. And he's like yelling and he's serious. And it, finally, 
be, when all the expletives were delivered, yeah. he goes, he says, how could you make that call? I said, because it's Cincinnati and it's Pete Rose. Yeah, there you go. go back to the dugout. <laughs> and I'm like walking around saying, I just sent Ralph out back to the dugout. That's a good yeah, that's, that's, but that that's was big. They came story. in. They came oh, in. Was, I remember. And you, you were catching. Yeah. You were catching yeah. for the Yankees. Yes. And you threw your nice. glove down in disgust because that exists on the same tape. <laughs> yeah. What I call Pete oh, Rose tape. Oh, it, it, that See, was, these are what I've loved. I just memories great. is all. Oh, they're all I have. Yeah, yeah. Ryan <laughs> Duran threw hundred miles an hour, and but he his glasses was so thick. Yeah, they were. That when he came in in the ninth inning, because he was the uh, closer, when he came in, his first warm-up pitch always was to the backstop on purpose, which would scare the hell yeah. out of anybody stepping yeah, into the batter's box. Yeah, but it's true. He did. Yeah. Did you play, and, and Jerry, same question to you, as kids, Little League, not hole as we called it in Cincinnati, did you guys uh, play as kids, as a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old? Oh, I did, yeah. I, I played coming up. We had, we didn't have not hole in, 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 on the East Coast. We had... Peanut League, Little League, American yeah, Legion, all that. Yeah. But I started out, my dad actually managed my first team, and the only thing I remember of that is, is I was playing right field, <laughs> and I was yeah. playing with the grass. It's your own yeah. dad. Yeah, and the ball went flying <laughs> over my head, and I was yanked from the game. That's yeah. not a confidence. No, sport. there was a, and it, I didn't <laughs> run all that well, so my father in, in practice would run around behind me with a clipboard, hitting me on the rear end to make me run faster. <laughs> yeah. He's 92 now. And oh, I know you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Yeah, we're going to see him next week. But, yeah. But, but, yeah, but I did. I played all through there, and not well, but well enough to just, you know, yeah. like yeah. do something. And, and, Jerry, let me jump in before you go, but I, I pl- in my first game of not hole in Cincinnati, sure. I was so nervous when the coach said, Galvin, right field, which is where he was sending me, and I went straight to left field. <laughs> yeah. And he said, Galvin, sit down. Yeah, I just really? sort of freaked yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like so exciting because for any, all of us oh, guys, yeah, that yeah. was playing baseball in America, especially my, in my era. Jerry, yeah. you and I are the same age. Ken's much younger. But so what did you do? Did you play? My first, my first, uh, I started in Little League. And my first team was New Co- York City, Queens, New York, New York City, I Queens, in Forest Hills. The team was Coastline Fuel Oil right. because every team was had a sponsor, and, right. and Coastline Fuel Oil was so. Right away, I started out with Big Oil. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was the only Republican thing I ever did in my life. But yeah. anyway, and my mother insisted she would only let me play. Now this is because she knew nothing about baseball. Neither my parents did. So. The reason I became a catcher is she says, Gerald, you'll be a catcher because they wear a mask and the, the, uh, the, the shin guard yeah. and the uh, chest protector. And she thought well, that I'd be that's safe. Why you that's why I became that. a catcher and why Yogi Berra became my favorite. Yeah. Little did she know that's the hard, toughest, toughest position to that you're going to get killed, but we, she made we were, me a catcher. We were enterprise and bombing. <laughs> That's, That's what great. we were. It was an, it great. was an embalming yeah. company that was like oh. in my hometown, yeah. and they, you know they wanted yeah. to get in with the mainstream. So yeah. Yeah. eventually, you know, you need them. So yeah. why not get in at the ground level? Yeah. Uh, opening, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> opening day is for Cincinnatians because, as you mentioned earlier, Jerry, we used to be where it started. Well, we were the, the we are where baseball yeah. started, but we were also where every season opening day kicked off if it's not even if it was by two hours in Cincinnati that has changed I remember an opening day and we were talking about this driving over here Jerry and uh, Greg Schran standing in the audience an old buddy of mine from high school and college days 
And we were at a game when it snowed before the game. They had the field covered. They pulled the covers off the field. It snowed during the game. And that was uh, yeah. reminds us that starting in April, that can happen. And you were at that game as well. I forget yeah. the year, 80-something, I, I suspect. Yeah, I went to a whole bunch of them during those years, the opening day. In fact, I would say almost all of them. Uh, and, right, I remember the day that it snowed because uh, we always had the Findlay Market Parade in the morning leading up to the Still parade. exists in Cincinnati. Yeah, so we had that, and you'd be in the parade as a politician. You'd be there waving and all that, and then you'd get to sit behind the, the and, and you see the game. But my memory, more than, more than the uh, snowing uh, opening day, 1974, uh, Vice President Ford... He was still vice president because Nixon didn't quit until August. Right. So Vice President Ford came to the opening game. And the reason he came to opening day in Cincinnati was because that was the game that Hank Aaron hit his 714th home run, which tied the Babe Ruth record at the time. And that was huge. And But the big story of the day... You would think that was the biggest thing. My God, Aaron has tied Ruth. He beat him a week later in Atlanta. But the day that he tied him was opening day in Cincinnati, an away game. And the question was, would they pull him from the game after the first home run? Because he wanted to break the record for his hometown fans. Anyway, the big story, though, wasn't that. The day before was April 3rd of 1974 and that was the night of the tornadoes that hit Sailor Park and Xenia, Ohio. Two parks uh, near Cincinnati yeah. and they were horrific thunderstorms. Oh, I think there were deaths. Lots of deaths. Lots of deaths. Damage. Wiped out communities. I mean it was horrific and it was a national disaster and all the media was there. Uh, initially they were there to cover Hank Aaron but then that became the big story and I remember Ford uh, Vice President Ford was questioned because he's coming to this game. Don't you think you ought to go to see the devastation? He said, well, I did get to view it. We flew over it. So you're thinking as a viewer at home, oh, they took a helicopter. They looked at the whole scene. No, he flew over in Air Force One. 30,000 feet. 30,000 <laughs> feet at 150, 200 miles an hour. What, what are you going to see? How are you going to study? And he got a lot of grief about that. You know who wasn't at that game? The commissioner of baseball. Bowie Kuhn did not come to that game, and he was what? roundly criticized for that. And he, oh, but right. he did. He was at the game they that they yeah, he broke it that he broke it. Probably but he was he not there because I remember specifically the TV announcer. It, it might have been Tony Kubek said, "I am I'm profoundly disappointed that that the commissioner of baseball isn't here to see this." Yeah. Well, there was you know this is still forty years ago, so you know as as much as we have racial incidents today, there was even more back then. And there was this undercurrent about we don't want Hank Aaron. Now, I'm not saying Kuhn thought that. I don't know. That'd be unfair. But there certainly was some public sentiment against the most famous record in sports, sure. Babe Ruth's home run record, being broken by an African-American. And, you know, Hank Aaron was getting death threats. Yeah. 
and there was extra security. And there was security, in a sense, following him around the field because they thought someone would take a shot or whatever. So, uh, and yeah, and the commissioner doesn't show up for this wonderful, wonderful moment. Hey, Jerry and Ken, I'm going to ask uh, Willie T. Taylor from uh, California to uh, step up here, and we're going to enjoy some songs from him. And as Willie T. is coming up, Ken, quick question. Best opening day memory that you have from various places where you've seen them? Well, it would be my first here in Cincinnati in 1987. I'd never experienced anything like this in life. I, I, you know, it's, it is, is, and for those of you that aren't from the area, not familiar, it is literally a holiday here. There's a parade, yep. kids skip school, businesses yep. shut down, and whether the team is going to be good or bad or indifferent, there's always yep. that kind of atmosphere around here. Yep. It was good this seeing you. Nice seeing you again. Ken. Can I say something about Jerry just for Absolutely. 30 seconds? You know, to a lot of people, he, he comes off as a, always a two-dimensional figure because television is like that. You don't really get to see that third dimension. You do in situations like this because people can come up and talk to you and everything. But this guy has shepherded this city through so many different things, both as a mayor both as a councilman and as a news anchor. And I, I, what comes to mind immediately is Billy Joel is in concert here this coming Tuesday night. If I'm not mistaken, you correct me if I'm wrong, we had the terrible Who tragedy in this town in 1979, I believe. The next major concert in this town was largely due to this man's work when he brought the Eagles, he brought Eddie Money in, and I can't figure out Steve who the other And Steve Miller Band. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was okay to do those things again. Yeah. And I only raise that because it's coming up here in a few hours, th this concert. But to sit next to this guy for as long as I did, to have him as a friend, and to know what, what went through this city while he was both as an elected official and as a news anchor, and, you know, what he's done in, in the wake of that is terrific. It is great entertainment. But this is a guy with great depth, tremendous political convictions, and, and a guy that I golf. and he can't <laughs> golf. He's terrible at golf, but a man that I'm proud to say is my friend. And then we can pick up where we left off all these months and oh. years ago, and it's just like we've seen each other yesterday. You are and that is one great. of a kind. You really are. And Ken Brew, I, I would just add one thing to that. Uh, Jerry and I have been friends as well, and I've tried so hard of late to hang on to his coattails so I can get a dignified retirement. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah, he's paying me <laughs> off now, and they're all $1 bills. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Times uh, are uh, tough. Uh, uh, hey, but, we're going to turn to uh, Willie T. Taylor. It's here for Willie T. Hey. Now, if you don't know, and the people in our audience are from the greater Cincinnati area, tri-state area, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, uh, but Willie T. comes from California. He's well-known in the roots music genre. And he has a new album out called Knuckleball Prime. Oh, and we're great. going to ask uh, Willie T if you'll start us off with a song. Well, I'm going to play a song, Knuckleball Prime, which is uh, when knuckleball pitchers hit around 38, 35 to 40, they just become this unstoppable machine. And I just turned 40. So I'm going to try to become an unstoppable machine like a knuckleball pitcher. Never give up. Give me a shot at the title I'm in my knuckleball prime My dogs are tired But they still got fight I won't hang it out, boys Not this time I'm hitting all the corners Gonna shed some light Wish you hit sand, no, boys 
when it's all done. Oh, more when this one. Oh, here I come. It's been a hell of a road, boys. I've had a hell of a time. And all my heartaches, well, they turned to wine. You grab your fiddle. And I'll grab mine Hand me that pearl, boys I believe it's time Cause when she gets sad, no, boys And it's all done Oh, more in this one Oh, here I come Give me a shot at the title I won't let you down We'll be drinking champagne when I get to town All these miles, just kissing the wind Every step of the way, boys, well, it's come to this And when she gets sad, no, boys, and it's all done Oh, I'm in this one, oh, my time has come Been a long night waiting on the sun. Yeah, <laughs> Willie T. Taylor. And Willie T., you you obviously are a baseball lover as well, and we know that uh, from talking to you from before. You were a catcher. Yep. And it go. played in uh, high catcher school right level. Fielder. Yeah. Yeah, I played all through since I was born, I think. Okay. <laughs> when did you stop? Like, did you stop? I, I blew out my knee. I broke my kneecap Ooh. playing soccer. And so oh. uh, it was kind of hard catching anymore. Yeah. I, that yeah. was about my sophomore year. And I, I had to take off my junior year. And then I came back and was more of a spiritual leader for my team in, yeah. in my yeah. senior year. Yeah. Yeah. I became the team masseuse and, like, you know, yeah. just... I, just I wonder, just to be part of I wonder if that means he went to a bar, got drunk, and dropped trow. Yeah. I'm just wondering that. I don't know yeah. what that is. Yeah, spiritual well, leader. He had spirits. He had spirits. Hey, do a second song for us, would you? You know, I wrote a song for right here today. Oh, all right. And uh, I'm still, you know, still rusty, but that's how we get these songs down. So there you go. But I wrote it for. Uh, I wrote it for Cincinnati. I wrote it for you guys. Thank you. All right. And I wrote it for baseball players in the, all over the world. It's called Run Head First. Find yourself with smoke in your eyes And the fire is dimming 
You can't see the prize and the shadows grow longer. You're losing your place. You dig in your spikes as you're searching for grace. And a feeling comes over you. You gotta keep winning. It's not the last time and it's not the first inning. Your hero, he showed you to never stop running. Make hustle your new name. It's not about money and you dust yourself off every time you're falling. There's always a first base. There's always a calling. And there will be blood and there will be heartache. You hold your head high with every step that you take as you run head first. Even though they're all out to get you, you just run head first. And you pray that the devil don't catch you. And you run head first. When you reach Cooperstown, tell them Charlie Hustle sent you came here with nothing born with no choice forced to keep swinging till you found a voice and the voice it grew louder from the tiniest whisper to mightiest roar now everyone's listening your hero he showed you to never stop running make greatness your new name it's not about money and there will be pain and there will be glory and you are the one who is writing story so Prove to yourself with all that you got You can rise up from nothing to the cream on the top As you run head first Even though they're all out to get you You just run head first And you pray that the devil don't catch you And you run head first When you reach Cooperstown, tell them Joe Jackson sent you up devil don't catch you and you run head first when you reach cooperstown tell him it was you who sent you Willie T. Taylor. Thank you, Willie. And Willie's performing at an event that follows this uh, here in Covington, Kentucky. If you would mind, would you take us out on uh, Hootie Ledbetter's Irene Goodnight? And Jerry Springer's going to jump in on the second verse if it's okay. There's a career ender for you. And thanks to Ken Brew, by the way. Yes. WCPO-TV in Cincinnati. Sports anchor, old friend of Jerry Springer's. Brew, brew. <laughs> that was a brew. No, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here with Jerry Springer And we're geared up for opening day When Vado hits a waff-off dinger And the cheers from the crowds and the Reds win the game Yeah! Irene, good night Irene, good night Good night, Irene I see you in my dreams. Jerry Springer, 
Oh, sometimes the Reds win some games that please. But oftentimes it's the Yankees. <laughs> so I'll try sneak out the back door so you'll forget me anymore. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. You all come back now, you hear? Thank you. Thank you.